ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. Today, I am going to do a quarter three and quarter four review of my 2022 reading challenge. So since I started the podcast, um, goodness, it's been almost two years now. I mean, like, yeah, actually two years. I started it um, the first Thursday of January, 2021. Here we are two years out. Wow. That is crazy. Time flies. Um, But I have been setting a yearly reading challenge for myself. And then every quarter on the podcast, I have been updating you on how that's going and what I've been reading. Um, Because I hear from you guys all the time saying that you love book recommendations and I love book recommendations. Um, So hopefully you will be able to get some different ideas for different books that you would like to read. And I love when you share on social media or message me and that you have have uh, read books that I have recommended because it's rare that I read a book that I really don't like. Usually I do my due diligence beforehand, making sure that it's a book that I really think um, will be something that I will enjoy. So there are some that I like more than others, of course. Um, But usually if I recommend it, I, I enjoy it. There have been a couple this year that were just (laughs) bombs. Um, But overall, it's been another great year of reading. And all that to say, um, we did not do a quarter three um, book review episode like I normally do. Because ladies, I'll just be honest, I got lazy and life got busy. And I thought, hey, I'm ahead in my reading goal, which was 50 books. This year's goal was 50 books. Um, so I thought, oh, I'm good. I, I can take a little break. Well, the little break turned into a very big break. And so I didn't have anything to share with you. I think I read two books in the third quarter, which was just crazy. And let me say, if you're going to start a reading goal in the new year, you don't have to like read a, a book a week or anything crazy amount. If that's not something that you're accustomed to, um, you know, don't set such a a lofty goal that it's difficult to accomplish, but set a bite-sized goal that you stay consistent with. Because I found in my own reading that when I'm in the habit of reading, it just, it it continues. I finish a book, I pick up another book. I finish a book, I pick up another book. But if I get in this lull where I haven't read anything for a while, I get out of the habit and time goes quicker than I think it does. And then it's been a long time since I've read anything. Um, And then I kind of have to jumpstart back into that, usually with a good novel or something that is just super captivating so I can get back into the habit of it. Um, But that's where I'm at. That's why this episode is covering quarter three and quarter four. And for the past month, I have been furiously reading, trying to get caught up and to hit my goal of 50 books. So we are there, ladies. I have done it. (laughs) I made it happen. I hit 50 books this year. Now I kind of had a twofold reading goal. One was to read 50 books and the other was to read one book a quarter with my husband. And we were alternating between I'd pick a book for a quarter and we'd read it. He'd pick a book for a quarter and we'd read it. And we did great on quarter one and quarter two. Like I said, quarter three was just 
the pits. And then quarter four, he spent a good portion of that in Australia. And then when he came home, it was just straight into the holidays. So that reading goal did not happen, but we are setting the same thing for 2023. We already have some books in mind that we want to try to read together. And hopefully we'll do a lot more than four because I think we're both, um, our reading goal kind of fell off a little bit at the cliff at the end of this year. And so we're both really recharged and ready to read more in the new year because reading adds such depth to our lives, to our person, um, to our intellect, but also to our relationship. We love talking about the books that we're reading um, alone, but also together. It it gets some really good conversation when we get to share something like that together. So anyway, that's a little recap on my reading challenge, where I'm at. And so now I'm just going to jump in and share with you the books that I've read over the past two quarters. Now, let me remind you, because I get a lot of people that ask me. Um, I have all of these books saved on my Instagram highlights. So you can find me at nohaircalling underscore. Um, and so all of these books are in a story highlight. I think it's just books read in 2022. Um, it's one of the like first ones when you pull up my profile because I'm always adding to it, especially um, this time of year as I'm trying to finish up this challenge. But all of those are there. Um, and a lot of them, I've tried to start putting the Amazon link to the book so that you can quickly find it. And it is an affiliate link. So it just helps me feed my book fetish to be completely honest. When you purchase through that link, it allows me to buy another book and recommend it to you. Um, so we would appreciate that if you are interested in any of these books. Also, I will be putting out a blog post on nohighercalling.org that has all of these books recommended. Um, it's at, my husband's helping me design this one. He's just wonderful when it comes to the website. Usually it's just a list. Well, we're going to make it nice. It's going to have like the picture and the review and then buttons for all the different ways you can get it. Kindle, audiobook, and paperback, hardback, all of that. So it should make it very easy for you. If you hear one of these books and you're like, that sounds so interesting. I would love to read that. Um, you can find it on my Instagram, but we'll get that blog post out soon. You can just look on my blog and you should be easily um, able to find the book and add it to your cart and enjoy it yourself. So without further ado, let's just jump in and see what I have been reading. So the first one is the Cross-Cultural Workers Spiritual Survival Guide by Don Mingo. Yes, that is a crazy long title. Um, and this might be a book that wouldn't be applicable to the majority of my listeners, but we are cross-cultural spiritual workers. We're missionaries about to head to the field. So a few of the books that I have read in these past quarters have really been in preparation for that. Um, and that's what this book was. And it's was such a good book. If you're listening and you serve the Lord abroad in any capacity, I could not recommend this book enough. It was just real and raw of the the heart workings and just some of the different stages of grief and adjustment and culture shock and all the different things that you go through when you're a cross-cultural worker. And another thing that I really loved about it, he actually wrote this book in 2020. So it was in the midst of the COVID craziness. You know, I know that for a lot of us international people that are, you know, all around the world, COVID kind of has really forever changed things for us. Um, so all of that was taken into account with some of the struggles and some of the different things that a missionary would face and just addressed in such a helpful way. So I really loved that it was just up to date and helpful information 
And, you know, he didn't candy coat things. Um, being a missionary is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Especially if you, if you don't kind of understand the missionary mindset. I, I'm so thankful that we are called to do this. I mean, again, it just falls into my no higher calling. We are so excited. Um, but just like anything, especially ministry, um, it brings people and people bring problems. And I'm not saying that the people we minister will have problems. I mean, we have problems <laughs> that we have to work through. Um, and so there is just heartache and changes and you know, people move on and all those different things that you have to navigate through. And so he addresses a lot of those changes. Um, but I love so often through his book, he'll end a chapter and he'll just say, keep smiling, keep smiling. A smile, you know, just does so much to impact your perspective and your mood. And so it, it was just a good reminder, um, especially as we're going through the packing and the saying goodbyes and all of the things that feel so heavy to me at times to remember, just smile, God's in control. And yes, there's an adjustment period, but it won't feel like it feels right now forever. Um, so anyway, that was a really long explanation for a book that probably won't apply to many of you, but if it does, it was good. I recommend it. The next one is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. This book I have seen floating around for a long time. And so my husband and I got our hands on it and we both read it. And it was such a powerful book. Now, I don't agree with everything doctrinally that the author agrees with. Um, and, and let me throw this in here because I always have people reach out to me and say like, I can't believe you recommended that book. I can't believe you read that author. Um, I try to be very careful with what I read. I do. And there have been a couple things this year that have been I've read them and I've been like, whoa, that was left field. I'm not going to read that author anymore. And I've tried to make that public statement because I also, you know, made public the books that I read, a few of them this year. Um, But if I only read books that were written by people that I 100% agree with, I would only read books written by me, which is one reason why I've written some books. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But you have to learn to read with a biblical lens to filter everything through the truth of scripture and to kind of have some critical thinking skills and just to eat the fish and spit out the bones. Now, if it's more bones than fish, then it's it's not worth my time. But there are books that I don't agree with everything that the author does or says or believes, um, but that I have been able to glean great things from. So, um, when I recommend these books, I, everybody's different. Everybody has a different stance on things and I understand that and I respect that. Um, so if you have any questions about anything specifically, feel free to reach out and I will try to do my best, um, to help you navigate that. And so anyways, I just wanted to throw that caveat in here, um, before I go on. So, whoa, all like totally derailed, but back to gentle and lowly. So this book, the, the like subtitle is the heart of Christ for suffering sinners, And it was a total mind change. Like, I I think sometimes because we know that we're sinners, and and especially like I'm talking about me here, I know myself, I know my thoughts, I know my actions in a way that nobody else knows them other than Christ. And often that makes me feel um, just very ashamed. And like, why would he love me when I constantly fail him? When, you know, I wake up in the morning with good intentions and before my feet hit the floor, it just starts a downward slope. Um, But it, 
it talks in the book about how it is actually because we are such weak and sinful creatures that God's heart is so endeared to us. I'm currently studying through Psalm 23, um, which is going to bleed over into the podcast in the new year. We're going to be studying through Psalm 23 once a month, um, uh, an episode a month through the podcast. But anyway, so it is, I'm getting this mental picture kind of constantly of, of the shepherd and the sheep and how the sheep is just this helpless creature really that just gets into trouble all the time, often because of its own silly choices. But how the shepherd doesn't sit there and like, oh, these crazy sheep, here I go again, have to get them back up on their feet because they can't stand up. No, the shepherd loves them because they are so dependent upon him. His heart is so endeared to his precious ones. And that's what gentle and lowly does. And I think it does a really good job of keeping God, God. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is is supreme. He is above all while showing us the humility of his humanity. And, And I think that's a difficult line to toe sometimes because it is hard for our minds to to reconcile this God man. You know, we we can associate with the man part of it and in some ways we have this understanding of of God, but to combine those two they are so contradictory that it's like how how does that couple together? Something that is polar opposite. Um, but it, it shows us because Christ was man, because Christ was tempted in like all manners that we are tempted, because he has felt like we feel, he's had emotions, he was fully man, yet fully God. He is our intercessor in a way that we can't even fathom. He loves us in a way that we can't even fathom. And I just, this book is a must read. It was so encouraging to me. And again, it really shifted my thinking on how Christ loves me. And you know what happens when you get a glimpse of the love of Christ for you? You fall in love with him in such a greater way. And that's what this book did for me. So I would definitely recommend that. All right, I need to move quicker. I have a lot of books to cover here. All right, Social Sanity in an Insta World by Sarah Eckhoff Zylstra. I just butchered that. Um, But anyway, this was a really good little book um, talking about really the epidemic of social media in our world today. And social media is not evil in and of itself. It is a tool. And um, a tool is as effective as the way that it is used. Um, Even in my No Higher Calling, it would not have the outreach, the influence that it has apart from social media. And I'm thankful for the platform to be able to get out the truth of God's word. But I think we could all say that social media does have a negative aspect as well. It has a pull on our lives. It has... um, just a control that it shouldn't. And this book really helped you think through that and set good boundaries and really to analyze is, are you being controlled or are you controlling it? So it was just a really good book to stop and think on. All right. The next book is The Choice is Yours by Terry Chapel. This was a really good book. It just, I mean, the reality of life is every day that we live, we are faced with choices. Some choices are simple. What am I going to eat for dinner? What am I going to wear today? Um, You know, am am I going to run errands today or tomorrow? But some choices are complex and really life altering. Um, Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do with my future? Um, How should we steward our finances? Things that hold great impact. Um, But, you know, we 
Our life is comprised by the choices that we make, by the decisions that we make. The choices we make really chart the course of our life. And so Terry Chappell just writes about several of the big decisions that life holds and gives biblical and practical insight onto making those choices in a way that would honor and glorify the Lord. And so this book was really good. This one came highly recommended to me, and I could highly recommend it right back. It was very helpful. The next book is The Heart of the Shepherd by Stephen Chapel, who I believe is her son. Um, I, I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure he is. So this is a study of Psalm 23. And like I said, I'm going through this. So this was just a shorter little book that I picked up to try to get a further glimpse into The Heart of the Shepherd. And it, it was very good. It was very good. I will share another book at the end that I read on Psalm 23 that is my all-time favorite. Um, but this was good kind of supplementary material to that study. I did enjoy this little book. The next one, Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. So I used to read a lot of fiction, pretty much exclusively fiction. Um, and then I decided to try to balance that out and <laughs> just read uh, things that were a little more um, inspirational and helpful to me, which then kind of swung all the way to the other end of the pendulum, which I really haven't enjoyed a novel in a very long time. So this is when I was trying to get back into reading. And oftentimes if I've taken a long break and I just can't seem to get back into it because I've kind of broken my habit, I try to pick up a good novel. And this was during uh, Simeon's time in Australia. And so I didn't have a lot of time to actually sit and read. So I got this in an audiobook. And oh my goodness, I woke up every day thinking like, oh, when can I have like a crack of time that I can pop in my earbuds and listen to this book? Or like I, I was single parenting at the time, he was gone. So I was so tired at the end of the day. But like, I was also like, I can't go to bed at eight. Like I'm an adult. What adult goes to bed at 8 p.m.? But I'm tired. So I'm gonna go to bed at eight and I'm gonna put in my earbuds and I'm gonna lay there for two hours and listen to my audiobook. And it was wonderful. I had so much fun. And this book was so captivating. Oh my goodness. If you have not read it, read, read it. And it is, it does have some, I don't know if thematic elements is the right word. Um, but so let me tell you kind of what it's about. And then I'll give you the little caveat here. So it surrounds the historical events of the Georgia Tan Tennessee Children's Home Society scandal in the 1920s. So basically this woman, Georgia Tan, was kidnapping kids from poor families and taking them to the Tennessee Children's Home where horrendous things happened to them. Um, I mean, just abuse and mistreatment and terrible things. That's kind of where my warning came in. Um, it's not a book for children, but just hard, hard things that these kids had to live through and the confusion of why did my family give me up? They were told all these different lies and then they were treated terrible. But when opportunity arose, they were prettied up, presented to these rich families who wanted to adopt a cute kid and they were shipped off to new families. And this happened for like years. And I mean, just so many children stolen from their homes and then sold for an exorbitant amount of money um, to these wealthy families. that And the wealthy families had no idea. They thought these were like orphan, derelict children that they were rescuing from, you know, a terrible future. So it was just, and I, I had never heard of it, this historical scandal until I read this book. But it's horrific what this woman did. And... <laughs> 
that she could live with herself. But anyway, um, it is just a riveting story. Now, it's not an actual true story. It is historical fiction. So it is based on these events. Um, but it is a just captivating story. I, I really enjoyed reading it and learning more about this. Even though it was horrible, it was just a very interesting story. The next one is called Refresh by Shauna and David Murray. So are you overwhelmed? Exhausted? Trying to spin all the plates, yet you hear them crashing to the floor around you? Are you raising your hand? Because I've raised my hand several times throughout this past year. Um, it's been a it's been a busy year for us, and I think I mean I don't think I'm an exception. Maybe my unique circumstances are, um, but we all have times where it's just so much going on, and we feel like we're drowning in the midst of it. And this book was just really helpful to help me to pause and think through some things that maybe I hadn't wanted to acknowledge about myself and about my emotions, and then to refocus and to refresh my heart in Christ. I love this quote from the book. It says, I can't do it all, but I don't have to. I am not enough, but Christ is. If the creator of the universe loves me enough to die and take away all my ugly sin, then he cares about the pressures of life that bear down on me daily. This book was so helpful to me Um, in in a time where I I knew I felt like I was drowning, but I didn't want to admit that I was. um, This book really made me be able to put into words what was going on in my heart and mind, um, which allowed me to communicate to my husband a little more effectively and really to communicate with God more effectively and get myself in a place where I could start working on some of those emotions. So if you're struggling with overwhelm of any kind, this book I think would be very helpful. The next one is A Long Walk to Water. A friend of mine, actually she's been on the podcast before, uh, Sarah Boots with Altogether Lovely Collective, um, she recommended this book and it was incredible. So it follows the stories of two different people. One is a boy whose family is broken up in the midst of war and unrest in his country in Africa. Um, some of the things that happened to him and another follows another one follows a little girl who basically her day revolves around getting a bucket, walking for hours to a water source, filling up that bucket with water, carrying that bucket full of water, the hours back home, dumping the one bucket for her mom to use and doing it again. Like, wow, we have so much to be thankful for. And it's really interesting at the end of the book, the two people, their lives cross in, in a really unique way. Um, and so it was, it was interesting to kind of follow their separate paths and then see how they intertwined. But it really, if this book did nothing else for me, it made me stop and think about things that we take for granted every day and how we should be so thankful for the blessings that we have. Something as simple as <laughs> turning on the water and it not just being cold water or contaminated water, but clean, hot water at the touch of my fingertips to cook, to drink, to get a shower. Um, I just have so much to be grateful for. The next one is Heartfelt Discipline by Clay Clarkson. This book was great. And I love the Clarksons. They have just ministered to my heart and really helped shape Simeon and I's thinking and um, how we manage our home in so many different ways as we have gleaned from their biblical wisdom. But this one was really, really good. And it came at a time where I was really searching for some advice on discipline and what that needed to look like in our home. I wasn't happy with what I felt 
I, I just, I felt like what we were doing wasn't working and it was just frustrating for me, frustrating for Simeon, frustrating for the kids, but I didn't know how to do it any other way. Um, so I've really been praying and asking God, show me your heart, show me how to get their hearts because discipline is so much more than behavior modification. Yes, I could you know, give consequences that make them toe the line and cross their T's and dot their I's like mommy says, but I don't want an outward, outward action. I I want an inward heart. I want them to know, Hey, it's not that we just don't say hurtful things to our siblings, but that it's, we stop those thoughts in our heart. When you have something in your heart or your mind that you want to say, you know, out, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I want them to learn to check their hearts, and mine are little, and I understand that. Um, only one of them is saved, and we've got, you know, we've got time to let the Holy Spirit grow. But part of parenthood is helping them in that journey, helping them, as Clay Clarkson says, walk the path of life. Um, and so, and I, I love that he puts over and over again that we are not their adversary. It's not us against them. And I guess that's where I was at in my discipline. I felt like it is me, my will against your will. Um, but we are their advocate. We are arm in arm, hand in hand, walking the path of life with them. And their people, we're people. People, we're both going to deviate from the path. Not just my little sinners, mama sinner is going to deviate from the path. And what happens when we deviate from the path of life? We get corrected. We have consequences. We get put back on it. But it is all with the end goal of getting back on this path. Not of broken fellowship, not of consequences, 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 but of, of getting your heart back on the path, getting your heart right with Christ, getting your heart right with the person that you hurt and back on the path of life. So this book was just very good. And I really feel like it was an answer to prayer for me because when I was just being like, Lord, I I don't know, but I don't feel, I don't feel right in the, some of the current things that we're doing, but what do I need? This is where God led my heart. And it was good. And this is one of the books that Simeon and I are going to tackle together in the new year um, because, I mean, I, I shared a bunch of it as I was reading it with him. But I really think for our home, it will be beneficial for us to go through this together. And, you know, we might not do everything the way he puts in the book, but I love his his biblical research and the depth that he took into really comparing scripture with scripture and mining out and trying to get God's heart on the matter of rearing children and of discipline. Um, and then I think from that, we will then take that and pray and seek God's word for ourselves and see where God lands us. But it was a very helpful read. And if you're a parent, I'd recommend it because I don't think I'm alone in the issues of discipline. Um, Next one, When Striving Cease by Ruth Chow Simons. This is the first one that I have ever read by this author. Um... But it was, it was a really good book. So I am a people pleaser. I'm a perfectionist. I am slightly OCD. Thank you, dad. It came right from him, passed right through that gene pool. (laughs) But you know, I, I am happiest when everybody around me is at peace. I want to be the peacemaker at the holidays. We just came through the holidays. Um, I, I catch myself all the time, like trying to talk to everybody, trying to smooth things over if they're not smooth, like just wanting everything to be perfectly happy. And, and, doesn't always go that way. And oftentimes it's at the, um, complete exhaustion of myself trying to make everybody happy when that's really not my job. That's a topic for another time anyway, but this book helped me to 
see how sometimes I am that way with God. I do not rest in his finished work on the cross. I tend to think that my works merit me favor with him. And now I I am a Christian and I totally believe in Ephesians 2 that we are saved by grace alone. Our works are um have no part in salvation. So I was clear on that. Um, it's not a salvation issue, but sometimes um, after I feel like, oh, like, okay, well, um, if I want God's blessing or if I want God to answer my prayer in a certain area, then I have to do X, Y, Z to like gain his favor. Um, and and that, that's not how the Lord works. Now, I, there is a personal responsibility for your walk with Christ, um, for the rejection of sin and self. I get that. And there were a few parts in the book where I felt like maybe she was a little not as strong on that. Like the overarching message of the book was not that we have no personal responsibility, but there were a few parts. If you isolate them, you might kind of get that idea. So much grace, so much love that no matter what we do or how much we fall, God loves us. Yes, that is true, but that is not an excuse to just go and do whatever I want and live however I want. Um, God does call us to holiness. Um, but overall, this was a really good book and you know, caused me to think a little bit as I have certain tendencies, as I might have mentioned. Um, the next one is The Hospitality Commands by Alexander Strouch. I love hospitality. It is just a part of my heartbeat. I, it is one of the greatest ministry tools that our family has. And I feel like me, especially as mother, wife, and woman has through my home. Um, and this was just a really good dive into what the Bible says about hospitality. Uh, A quote from the book, through the ministry of hospitality, we share our most prized possessions. We share our family, home, finances, food, privacy, and time. Indeed, we share our very lives. So hospitality is always costly. Through the ministry of hospitality, we provide friendship, acceptance, fellowship, refreshment, comfort, and love in one of the richest and deepest ways possible for humans to understand. Unless we open the doors of our homes to one another, the reality of the local church as a close-knit family of loving brothers and sisters is only a theory. Ladies, I think hospitality is one of the greatest ways that we can get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And there is, I have hospitality episodes all scattered throughout, um, throughout my podcast. I have a hospitality guide digital download that's in the No Higher Calling shop. Um, there's more episodes on hospitality coming because it is just, I don't know, I have seen the impact that this has on our life, and it has just been such an amazing thing um, that it's just, you're going to keep hearing it on the podcast because the Lord has just shown me this in such a deep way. The next one is called A Cancer or a Crown by Nikki Lott. This was just a short little booklet, um, but it was all about the impact and the influence that a wife has on her husband. Are you a crown to him or are you a cancer that just eats away at him and at your marriage and at your home? Um, I enjoyed this quote. It said, the respect and honor I am commanded by God to give are not to be emotional responses based on my estimation of my husband's value and position in my life. They're volitional responses based on God's estimation estimation of his value and position in my life. Um, you know, we all have different husbands. Some are great. Some are Prince Charming. Some are meh, or some are just difficult. And and I understand that. Um, you know, I hear from all kinds of women in all different kinds of circumstances. Um, and you know, that I, I can't really take the time to dive into that too much. Um, but it is amazing when I study through scripture, the 
influence that God gives to a wife. And if you're seeking to be a godly wife, if you have a husband that you're just struggling with, or maybe that you don't see eye to eye with, or um, maybe he isn't growing spiritually as much as you would like him to, dig into scripture and ask God to help you to be the person that you need to be and to have a godly influence over your husband. And and that's a prayer that God wants to answer. Um, and, and the wife is just at a unique position that um, she can really influence his heart. And so um, I really enjoyed that. Another book that I read kind of along with that is called Loving Him Well by Gary Thomas. So this really dealt deep into the influence that a wife has over her husband and how you can use that influence for good and for God's glory. So if what I kind of said is something and you're like, oh man, I need that, or I'm in a you know difficult marriage relationship, or maybe it's not even difficult, like maybe it's it's a good marriage, but you want it to be better. Um, that was a very, very good book, very helpful. And one other thing he dives into is dealing with pornography in a marriage. Um, he had some really solid biblical advice on tackling that because I know that that is a growing issue um, in Christian homes. We would like to just put our hands, heads in the sand and pretend that it's not, it's not a problem, but it is a huge problem even amongst Christians. Um, and so there was some really good information in that book on dealing with that if that has come into your marriage. Um, the next book was The Lord Was With Joseph by Scott Pauley. Scott Pauley is actually a dear friend of our families. He's been in evangelism for several years, and everything he puts out is touched by the hand of God. He has a podcast, Enjoying the Journey. It is 10 minutes a day, Monday through Friday, just a devotional podcast. If you are not subscribed, you will want to. It is a power-packed 10 minutes. If I could ever learn how to get so much deep content in 10 minutes man, like goals right there. It is a power packed 10 minutes and your heart will be so encouraged. One year, it's been a few years ago, but one of my new year's resolutions was to not miss one of his podcast episodes. And it, it helped me. It was such, um, an enriching thing to my spiritual walk. So check out Scott Pauley, but his book, the Lord was with Joseph. So Joseph is one of my favorite Bible characters. There's so much to learn from the life of Joseph. And Scott Pauley does just a beautiful job of telling Joseph's story and of drawing out those biblical truths that were applicable to Joseph, but are also applicable, applicable to our lives today. So the next book is Looming Transitions by Amy Young. Again, this is another book um, that deals with the whole transition of an international move, of international ministry. Um, this was a very good book. Um, it was just helpful as we kind of navigate through some things that are uncharted waters for us. So it was a good book. The next one is Giving Your Words by Clay and Sally Clarkson. This is the newest book that the Clarksons have put out. And it was, I mean, it was just good, like all of their books. But they really talk about how words are so important. And they're a gift that we give our children. How if we think of our children as really an empty treasure chest and our words are jewels and gems that we can put in their treasure chest, or it could be hurtful things and how we need to steward the words that we give them. Um, one of the quotes that was just so convicting from this is it was they parents cannot teach God's words to their children unless those words are first on their hearts. And that was the convicting thing is just realizing that the words that will impact them are God's words. And I have to have God's words in my heart so that then I can give them to my children. Okay. 
The next one is A Manual by Ruth Chow Simons. I read a book by her earlier, um, When Striving Seas. This one was gorgeous. So she is an artist and has a whole like art ministry, I guess Grace Laced is her thing. Um, but this was an Advent devotional. So 25 days starting December 1st all the way to Christmas morning, a little devotional thought from God's word with gorgeous art all the way through it. I loved this book. Um, it's kind of divided into three different sections. The first section was my favorite. It was all about the posture of your heart, um, about preparing your heart for the Christmas season to worship Christ. And it was just, it was so good. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, the next book is one of my favorites that I read this year. It is Great Hymns for Growing Hearts, Christ the Savior is Born by Brittany Brazel. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, I, I really do like the book. I'm not just saying that because I'm the author. I don't know. Maybe this is good grief. Maybe he should cut this out. <laughs> um, no, we... So I wrote this book. It is just a four-part hymn study of four Christmas carols. And so I wrote this kind of in, as a continuation of my Great Hymns for Growing Hearts book, which I'll link in the in the show notes in case you want to check that out. That is a full-length book that has 12 different hymns that you can study through as a family. Um, but Great Hymns for Growing Hearts, the Christmas one, was just extra special. I, I love Christmas, so I just poured myself into this. And I added a unique feature in this book that was not in my first book, and that is a For Little Hearts page. So I have questions, I have hard application, I have kind of Bible study prompts in there, um, but I heard from several friends that just said, hey, do you have something for like little ones? And and I have little ones, so I was like, yes, let me work on that. Um, so there is a page for every hymn that just has simple vocabulary, um, simplified questions, maybe a guided conversation starter, um, and then an activity that you can do. And our family loved going through this book. And, and that's exactly why I wrote it, to teach my children hymns, and it's been so sweet to see my little Ivy, who's two, just walking around. He and, It's so cute. So we'll be at the store or something, and one of the songs. So there's Silent Night. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Um, there's Angels from the Realms of Glory and George to the World. So if one of those comes over, like on the speaker or something, or we hear them in church, that's my song. That's my song. Um, and it's so sweet. So I know the Christmas season is kind of over, but there is currently a sale going on in the No Higher Calling shop if you want to check that out and get it for next Christmas. Um, but it is it was a fun resource to have in our home that I've heard is a blessing to many other people, and it was definitely a blessing to us. So the next one is Story of the World, Volume 1. So this is a book that we read for school, and I usually don't count the books that I read to the kids as part of my reading challenge, but this book was, I mean, it, it was like a book. It was several hundred pages. Um, and it, so it's actually a four volume series. That's more of a classical educational approach to history. So it just starts from the very beginning and works its way through all the way from volume one to volume four. So volume one took us from the beginning to about the fall of the Roman empire. So it was a lot of the ancient civilizations, um, you know, just all of, you know, we have the ancient, ancient China, ancient India, uh, the middle Eastern countries, just all, all that type of 
time in history, I guess. Um, and the kids and I enjoyed that so much, more so my oldest, Eden. But I was even surprised how much Knox, my four-year-old, got out of it. You know, times where I thought, he's not listening, he's not catching anything. We'd sit down with dinner at, at dinner with Daddy, and he'd just go you know, on and on and on, usually about the soldier or the warrior or something like that, because that just speaks his love language. Um, but it, it was a really, really awesome resource. And we are just chomping at the bit to start volume two. I already sent that over to Australia. So we have to wait until we get there before we can jump in with volume two, but we're excited to continue on and read the story of the world. Um, so the next book is the shepherd looks at Psalm 23 by W Philip Keller. So this is my second time reading this book. I read it last year and this is a book I referenced earlier, the Psalm 23 book. This book is phenomenal. You need to read this book. And if you don't read this, book, then you need to listen to my podcast episodes next year when we study through through Psalm 23, because a lot of what I'm going to share is going to be quotes or things that I have gleaned from his book. So he was a shepherd. So as a shepherd, he has a deeper understanding of things that we might have just glossed over in Psalm 23. So taking the scripture, taking the knowledge of a shepherd and coupling those two things together provides such rich depth. And I can't wait to share more of that with you in the next year. But if you want to get a head start, get that book and start reading it. It will encourage your heart. I can for sure and for certain you will be blessed by reading that book. So Actually, whether or not you join in on the episode, you should read the book, but hopefully you'll read the book and join in on the episodes next year as we study through Psalm 23. I think that'll be um, a really encouraging thing for us as we just meditate through that chapter of the Bible on the podcast throughout the next year. Uh, The next one is misreading scripture with Western eyes. Again, this is one that I did not agree with all of the conclusions that the author came to, um, especially when he's talking about different scripture versions and translations. Some of those things, we personally use the King James Version that's by conviction. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Um, my husband has thoroughly studied out all of that, um, and shared a lot of that with me. And so we do use the King James version, um, by conviction, but, uh, overall the book was very insightful in realizing how much we interpret scripture through the lens of culture and how different our culture is from the culture of, of not only the part of the world that the Bible was written in, but even the biblical times. Um, so it gave some really interesting insight. I think my most favorite part of the book was there was a chapter. So it's talking about how um, a lot of the Eastern part of the world has an honor-shame culture. And so it takes the story of David and Bathsheba and presents it through the lens of an honor-shame culture and totally gives a different glimpse of the story of David and Bathsheba. Now, is he right? Are we right? Is this right? Is that right? Um, you know, the scripture says what the scripture says, but it was interesting seeing the mindset of that culture and of that time period, a different lens of, of how the events could have played out. Um, so anyway, that you just, you, you know, have to get the book and read the whole chapter to get more insight on that one, but it was very interesting. Um, and then the last one book 50 is mama bear apologetics by Hillary Morgan Farrar. This is just a handy tool that every parent should be equipped with. It 
looks at all these different isms that are prevalent in our culture today, all of this ideology that is bombarding our children, um, that is just being presented as fact or as truth. And the reality that, you know, I mean, some of the things, many of the things that my kids are going to face as they grow up were not even on the radar when I was a kid. And I need to acknowledge that they are living in a different generation and I need to be equipped with Bible answers for the indoctrination that they will face so that I can then equip them to stand and to be a warrior for truth. That's what I tell my Noxie. He is my, like I said, he is my little soldier. That's what he wants to be when he grows up. He wants to be a warrior. He, everything becomes a sword or a weapon. He just, you know, night today wants to be a soldier or a knight or something like that. And so when we pray together at night, I, I tell him that I'm praying that he'll grow up and he'll be a warrior for truth. What do I mean by that? I mean that he will grow up and, and be a champion for God's word, that he will be willing to do the hard spiritual warfare, that he will stand strong and bold and courageous in in the face of, of of man's truth, of relativism, of anybody's truth is their truth. That's not truth. There, there has to be, there has to be a, a plumb line. There has to be an anchor for truth. And that's what I pray for him. That's really what I pray for all of my children. But he understands that terminology a little better. I pray that he'll be my warrior for truth. And this book, I feel like helped me to help him to grow into that, to become that. As I believe forward in his life that this is what you could become with God's enablement, this is how mommy is going to help you. Not that we're going to sit down and have lessons of, okay, this is what the world says, you know, but just having this knowledge in my head and allowing it to enter into our daily conversations, daily life, even something as simple as, okay, so I read in this book, about the world's campaign on anybody's truth is truth. There is no absolute truth. You get to interpret it. How do I take something deep like that and translate that to laying this equipping foundation for my four-year-old? Something as simple as we're reading the Bible, we're learning our memory verse for Sunday school. And I might just simply stop and say, is God's word true? Yes. Is it always true? Yes. Does God always keep his promises? Yes, yes, son. God always keeps his promises. Do you remember when he made a promise to Abraham? He kept it. When he made a promise to Joseph and Mary, he kept it. And just, I mean, it could be a brief one or two little minute conversation, but just reiterating in his heart, God's word is true. We can trust in it. All truth is rooted in God's word. All of man's truth has to be compared to God's word because we we do have our own interpretations of truth. Even as Christians, we get our own ideas about things, but it always needs to come back to God's truth is superior. It is the only thing that is absolute truth. Everything else should derive from that. So that was just a rabbit trail that I probably shouldn't have went down on. But it is a prayer that I pray so often for my children. And when I was reading this book, you know, it was, I'll be honest, it's easy to read something like that and come away from it and think, wow, <laughs> we live in a messed up world. How are my kids going to make it? But instead of having this negative doom and gloom, I try to be like, look at the opportunity that they have to be beacons of light 
you know, when, when it's darkest is when the light shines the greatest. You know, if it's daytime out and you have all your windows open, you're not going to see a candle so well. But in the pitch black of night with all the lights off, you're going to see that candle. Ladies, it is pitch black out there. And our kids can be shining lights for Christ. It is an opportunity. Will that mean that it's going to be easy? No, I, I'm not naive enough to think that it will be. And that is why as the mama, I am trying to do my part to invest these things in my heart and my mind so that I can equip them for what they will face one day. So that, that was just a helpful book. Um, earlier in the year, I actually read the Mama Bear, Apolog- mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, that is a must read too. That was very helpful with all of the gender issues that we have, the identity crisis, the pornography in children. In children, I'm just going to throw out this this fact and then move on because I, I can't dwell here. But did you know that the average age of exposure to porn is eight? Eight. That means that children much younger than eight are being exposed to it. And it read that book. It, it will help you. Like I said, it will help you be able to equip your children to, to stand in a wicked world. So that sums up my reading challenge for 2022. I made it by the skin of my teeth. Um, but I read a lot of good books this year and I have a good lineup already for next year. And I'm excited. I, I think I'm setting the same goal since it proved a little difficult this year. And we have an international move and lots of crazy happening next year. So I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace. We're not going to increase it. We are going to shoot for 50 books in 2023 and a book a quarter with my husband in 2023. And we will see how that goes. But I look forward to hopefully sharing with you every quarter um, what I'm reading as we continue through the next year. There will always be uh, my book recommendations and my Instagram highlights and my stories. Um, And I always try to have a blog post come out that goes with the episode that shares what I read so that you can have all of those links. Again, if you purchase through those links, thank you. That is a blessing to our family. But I hope that you all have a wonderful new year and set some reading goals. Maybe it's one book, maybe it's five books. No goal is too little or too much. Just wherever you're at, jump in a little bit more. And I hope that you will be encouraged. I've had messages from several ladies saying that through these episodes, they have been encouraged to set a reading goal and how beneficial that has been to them. Um, Maybe you have to take a little bit of time from TV. Maybe you have to take a little bit of time from social media. But every woman that I hear from has never come back and been like, I wish I would have given more time to TV and social media instead of reading. No, every message I get, they say, I am so glad I have invested more time in reading. So set your reading goal. Feel free to let me know what it is. I'd love to help keep you accountable as you keep me accountable as I have to make sure I get out this every quarter next year. That's my goal, every quarter, not combining two quarters into one because as you can tell, it makes for a long episode. But thanks for joining me, ladies. I look forward to seeing you in the new year. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.